This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, listen, let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Luke. And again, by the way, thank you so much for coming tonight. And those of you that are watching, uh, either on Facebook or YouTube, we're glad you can be with us as well. Glory to God. Get your Bibles wherever you might find yourself to be. Hallelujah. Hopefully you're not in the bathtub because that can, you know, your Bible, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, you understand. So anyway, but uh, grab a Bible. Praise God. We want to look at the Word of God this evening. Amen. Praise God. Anybody got a good testimony? You know, something that's uplifting, magnifies Jesus. If you, you know, if it doesn't magnify Jesus, don't tell me, okay? All right, good. That, that's, that, that's, uh, that's the groundwork. Anybody got something you want to share with us? Praise God. Put a little heat on this, Lord, huh? Is that right? Yeah, glory to God. Anybody else? Huh? Okay. All right. Well, listen, um, did you all find Luke chapter 1? Is that what, or did I tell you? Sometimes I don't tell you. My wife goes home and says, you're, you're, you're scolding these people, and they don't even know where they're supposed to be going. So you know what? I repent. I'm sorry. I thought I told you. Obviously, I didn't. I mean, you know, so... Anyway, Luke chapter 1, glory to God. That's where we're going to start. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together this evening in the Word. Grateful, Father God, for that which you have made known to us. And Father, as we come uh, together this evening, Father, we do live in perilous times, but Father God, nothing is too difficult for you. And so we place our trust, our hope, and Father, we know that our help is in the Lord. And so, Father, it's in that confidence that we come this evening, Father, knowing that you're going to bring comfort and grace and peace to people's hearts tonight because of what it is that you've promised. And we believe you tonight, Father God. Hallelujah. We know, Father, that even in the midst of adversity or test or trial, Father God, that you are there in our midst, Father, to see us through, to put us over to give us the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. So we look to you tonight, Father. We look to the greater one within us. And again, Father, I want to thank you for speaking to men and women's hearts. I thank you for unveiling and unfolding, revealing things, Father, that, you know, maybe they've known for a long time, but somehow or another have become buried. But, Father, we're going to bring them up to the surface, to the forefront. And I just thank you, Father God, for your peace in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Have you guys ever been, you know, uh, you know, maybe you were looking for something, you're looking in a drawer, maybe it's a storage room closet or something like that, you know, and, and you're, you know, you're, you're on a mission for one thing, you know, but all of a sudden, you, you know, you, you, you come across something, you go, oh, man, I forgot I even had that. How many of you ever had that happen before? And it's kind of like, well, there it is, you know, uh, or something of that nature, you know, it's kind of like, you know, well, looky there. I was wondering what happened to that, that thing. And, um, and, and the thing of it is, in reality, it's, it's something that you possess, you own, it's, it's yours. But if you don't know where it's at, or if you've misplaced it or something of that nature, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And uh, so sometimes we're excited about you know, finding these things, and sometimes, you know, maybe we're not. But you own it, and it belongs to you, and, uh, but it doesn't benefit you because it's, it's MIA. It's, it's missing in action, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, maybe it's just been forgotten, whatever, but it doesn't benefit you. And the reason I share that with you this evening is, is did you know that there are some things that Jesus accomplished for the church for the believer, for the child of God, and thank God for his living word, because his word is what reveals what's been done. And so there are things that he's accomplished, many things that we as believers possess. It's kind of like that thing you come across that you didn't know where it was, or you're wondering where it was at. It, it belongs to you. And these things that Jesus has done are benefits you know, that he's provided for us. But again, you know, if they're misplaced or they're forgotten or somehow or another, maybe they're just unknown. There's a lot of believers that are not aware of so many things that belong to them in Christ Jesus. 
And so they end up being, becoming unused. Well, how many of you know God, he, he provided all of this for us so that we could take advantage of it, amen? So, you know, if we got to dig down in the closet of your life here a little bit, which is essentially what I want to do for you and help you with, uh, I believe you'll be blessed. I'll give you a, a case in point or an example. How many of you know what Galatians 3.13 says? Just raise your hand if you do. If you don't, well then, praise God, we'll tell you. The Bible says in Galatians 3 and 13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, okay? So when you think about that with me for just a moment, what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean that Christ has redeemed us? Not going to, but he has. When he went to the cross and when he died for the sins of the world, and was raised by the power of God or the glory of the Father, he redeemed us at that moment. He paid the price. When he was on the cross, he said, it's finished. In other words, he had completed and fulfilled all the righteous requirements necessary for the redemption of mankind, for you and me. And so it says that he has redeemed us. Everybody say, I am redeemed. See, if you're a child of God, you are redeemed. You're not going to be redeemed. You are redeemed. He provided that for you. But again, let me ask you the question, what does that mean? What does it mean to be redeemed from the curse of the law? It's a great question, isn't it? I mean, broadly speaking, we could say, well, you know, we've been redeemed from sin. Jesus became sin for us. And broadly speaking, that would be true. But I guess we could also say, perhaps, that in being redeemed from the curse of the law, that we could also be redeemed from sin's effects. How many of you would go along with that? But if we don't know what those effects are, you know, then we end up, you know, again, being, uh, uh, what would I say, uh, short, we're shorted, you know, we're not getting the, the whole benefit of things. Now, if we had time, we'd go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first 14 verses talk about if you and I do what it is that God says within his word. Well, let's back up here a minute before we get to that. Let me, let me mention this to you. You know, you wouldn't think that the, cur or that the law would be, uh, cause a curse. It says we are redeemed from the curse of of the law. Well, the law, of course, we know there's the Ten Commandments and there's all of that, you know, that was given or handed down by Moses. And, and basically, the essence of it is thou shalt not. Well, the problem is, is even though the law is good and it is true and it's righteous and it's just, the problem is, is our inability to keep it. So what is good ends up becoming a curse to us, aren't you glad Jesus redeemed you from that curse of the law? So again, now, if we talk about that in the context of Deuteronomy 28, you go read it tonight. It's a few verses. It might take you a little while, so don't do it when you're sleepy, because otherwise, you know, probably about verse 10, you'll forget the rest of it, okay? And it's like 68, 70 verses or something. Verse 14, talk about the blessing that will come on the man or woman, who obeys God. The next, however many, 50-some <laughs> verses, talks about what will happen if you don't. It talks about being cursed in just about everything that you do. Well, to, to try to bring a synopsis of all of those verses that are of a negative nature, basically, when you look at it, the curse of the law is, again, pretty broadly speaking, uh, speaking, it's poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. In other words, it's not a place you want to be. Are you listening to me? But again, thank God Jesus redeemed us from that curse or the curse of the law. So uh, in, in talking about this, uh, I want to talk to you about... Uh, uh, Picking this up a little bit, look with me this verse of Scripture here in Luke chapter uh, 1 
And let's look at, um, well, let me, let me preface this reading here so that we kind of know where we're at. You remember when Zechariah was uh, basically tasked with burning incense in the temple? And he was doing his thing, and the angel came and said, you know, uh, your prayers have been heard, and you and Elizabeth are going to have a, have a son. And he said, yeah, right, I, I, yeah, not really, I don't believe that. Well, he ended up, you know, finding out, you know, uh, basically in his unbelief, the angel just said, well, you're just going to be uh, not able to speak until he's born. <laughs> huh? So he came out, and he was... He was dumb. He couldn't speak. Had to use a tablet, you know, to communicate to people and things. Aren't you glad that uh, uh, we can be like Mary instead of Zachariah? Because she said, be it unto me according to your word. Zachariah said, yeah, right, I don't believe that, you know. So he missed out on a little bit there, and God was still gracious to him. Well, on the day that uh, his son was born, they were going to name him after him, after Zachariah, and uh, uh, Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. They said, well, maybe you can't call him John. There's nobody in your family called John. And so they asked for a writing tablet, and uh, Zechariah wrote on it, said, his name is John. Well, as soon as he made that declaration, the Bible says that his tongue was loosed, and the Spirit of God came on him, and he began to prophesy. I tell you what, you ought to read the whole thing. It's just inspiring. You know, it's inspiring that God is speaking through, and essentially what he's saying is, is that God, you have finally fulfilled your divine promise and redeemed your people Israel. And he says a lot of different things. But picking it up, notice what he says about his own son in verse 76. Talking about John, he says, And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by or for the remission of their sins. And through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day day spring from on high has visited us. Now I want you to notice particularly verse uh, 79. To give light unto them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then it goes on to say that he grew and became strong in spirit and so on and so forth. But I want you to notice that last verse. The Spirit of God is speaking through this man, and notice that he says that the purpose is to give light to them that sit in darkness. And in the shadow of death. You know, the shadow of death is really our earthly existence. You know, Psalm uh, 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art, you know, your rod, your staff comforts me, and so on and so forth. The valley of the shadow of death, this is just a shadow, you know, that we're passing through. Aren't you glad for that? So notice when when we read here, to to give light. Everybody say light. See, God wants to illuminate our hearts and our minds. And and in order to see and to think as he does. And not only that, but in seeing and thinking, to live as he does. Now, you're familiar with this. Let's go go ahead and look at it. Turn over to John chapter 1 real quickly. Notice what it says here in John chapter 1. John is writing... And uh, he says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, without him was not anything made that was made. But notice again in verse 4, it says, in him was life. Everybody say life. And the life was the what? The light of men. See, the new birth, being born of the Spirit of God, brings illumination or light to the believer, to the child of God, to you and I, so that we have the ability to see that we're no longer in darkness and in the shadow of death, but we can literally see. So it says, in him was life, and the life of Jesus was the light of men. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that tonight? that his light 
and his life is in you. Hallelujah. You know, you know it, it isn't a matter of getting it. If you're born of the Spirit of God, you have it. Just like we talked about in Galatians 3 and 13, you know, he has redeemed us. But we don't, we don't really think that way a lot. A lot of times we're, we're not thinking in the context of what it is that Christ has done. Somehow or another, we're just at an impasse in our understanding with this, and that's what I really want to visit with you and talk with you about tonight. Let's go on reading. Again, he says in verse 4, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not." He talks about a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came to bear witness, or for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Who's the light? Jesus is the light. John came to bear witness to the light. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John was commissioned to bear witness to Jesus as the light that all men through him might believe. Verse 8, John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That, there, that was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, but the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and yet his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the right or the privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were again born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of man, but born of God. So how many children of God do we have here tonight? What an incredible heritage you have. What an incredible place that you as a child of God have in Christ Jesus. Now, so we have to learn a few things, but again, he said, in him was life, and that life is what illuminates your heart, my heart, our minds to know the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you what? How many of you know Jesus wants you to be free? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Glory to God. So he came so that we could have an abundant life. So if you're a child of God, buried within the boxes of our lives, many believers sometimes, uh, the thing that gets buried is the reality of God's indwelling presence. In other words, we're not, we're not conscious of it, you know, like we should be. Now, I don't have time to get into this part of it, but for the sake of simplicity, I'll just say that, you know, the real you is a spirit. You have a body, and you also have a soul or a mind, a will, and emotion. So we're spirit, soul, and body, a three-part being. Pretty, pretty conscious or cognizant of the reasoning, intellectual aspects of our lives, the soulical part of our lives. Uh, pretty familiar with the body, you know. Whenever it's hungry, it lets you know. Whenever it's tired, it lets you know. You know, all of those different kinds of things. But when it comes to the spiritual part of our being, the place where God himself actually dwells, a lot of times, yeah, we're not, we're not real conscious of that like we should be. But I want to implore you, if that's the best way that I can say that, is that it's really imperative for the child of God to be led by the Spirit of God that is within him. To look to the greater one that is inside you, and of course we have to know what we're looking for, Right? You know, when you're in that closet and you're rummaging around, you know, and you come across that thing, you go, oh, no, I, I, I know what that is. I, I know how to use that. You know, but sometimes when it comes to our own spiritual being, because we haven't taken maybe the time to really, you know, fine-tune things, if that's the right way to put it, or to be sensitive to the Spirit of God within us, we end up missing things. How many of you know God wants to lead us and guide us? He said, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus wants to guide the child of God. Jesus wants to guide each and every one of us. 
If we have a difficulty, if we have a challenge, if we're facing adversity, if there's things we don't know, whatever it is, he stands ready to help us. But you know, you got to look in the right spot. You know, I was looking for my wife's uh, Christmas present, and uh, I spent the whole day. I went to three or four different places. I come up empty. And there's, I, there's nothing worse than that. I'm, I'm a conqueror, okay? We just go out and we get it, okay? But, I, I, you know, I went out, you know, and I'm looking around, and, man, I cannot find what it is that I'm looking for. Now, I, find, I found some stuff, but yikes. How many of you know what that, yeah, a little pricey. I said, can't we do any better than this? Nope, nope. So anyway, uh, where was I going with this? Hallelujah. Um, I did get what I was looking for, by the way. But anyway, um, you know, there's this presence on the inside of us that we need to get familiar with. Are you with me? And, and probably, you know, <clears throat> he said, again, let's go back to this. I got sidetracked. But he said that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Amen? Praise God. You know, there's a lot of voices in the world today. A lot of things being said. Even in the Christian community, I mean, you can, you can have any, any myriad of opinions about this, that, or the other. But I tell you, at the end of the day, what you and I want to know is, is what is it that God is saying? Huh? And here's an important aspect to that, and that's to always remember that the Spirit and the Word always agree. Huh? Because, you know, when we start looking to the Spirit of God for guidance, you know, uh, some people can get a little weird on us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? Well, we don't want weird. We want to learn to listen. The devil always has a counterfeit to get people all messed up so they just kind of abandon, you know, this, this indwelling presence that wants to guide us. But no, we're not going to do that. We're going to learn the way of the Spirit of God. Amen? so that we can follow him, that we can have peace, that we don't. You know, Jesus was never, ever concerned. I'm sure he was tempted to be concerned, but he was never concerned about anything. You know, one night they woke him up, said, dude, don't you know that we're going to perish? And he said, why is it that you're so fearful? Well, he got up first and rebuked the storm, but he said, why are you so fearful? Why don't you have any faith? You know, there are people that wanted to throw him off a cliff one day. They were, you know, they were like herding him to a place, like into a corral to drop him off of this cliff. And yet, somehow or another, he walked out of that situation and was never harmed, you know? So I guess the point that I want to say is, is that in our personal lives, you know, we, we come up against things, and all of a sudden they can be so large and looming, but I'm telling you what, God didn't run off and say, you're on your own, I hope it works out all right. Huh? But there is someone in us, hallelujah, the greater one who can give us guidance if we'll learn how to look to him and follow him. So he's there, this indwelling presence. How many of you know that? I mean, when I got saved, praise God, I mean, my life got changed. I knew something was up. Hallelujah. I was not the same man. If you've been born again, you're not the same. If any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Everybody say, I'm a new creation. Yeah, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. Glory to God. So this new way of living that he's provided for us, it's there. We possess it. You possess it as a child of God, but sometimes it's not being utilized like it should. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Does this resonate with you a little bit? Huh? Sometimes it's even ignored. You know, sometimes I remember when I was going to buy that 1980, well, I actually bought the 1981 Cutlass. Bad idea. Why? Because the intuition of my wife said, this is not a good idea. And I said, but I want it. How many of you know that can get you in trouble? Huh? Got us in trouble. Thank God for the mercy and grace of God. We got out from underneath that piece of junk. It was a beautiful car. It was just built terribly. They put a diesel engine in a car, and the engine, well, it's a long story, but they should have never done that. It was junk, okay? And we suffered because of it. How many of you know you don't have to suffer if you listen? I didn't listen, okay? It's not a very good kind of an example in the context of, you know, giving me all kinds of glory, but you can learn something. I mean, a lot of times God will say, dude, don't do that. Yeah, but I want to. Well, 
Might want to think that over a little bit. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So we need to really listen to what, he is, what he's trying to say. As a believer, and I'm, let me make this statement to you. You know, as a believer, you know a lot more than you give yourself credit for. Did you know that? I mean, if you would really just kind of stop and take a break here and a deep breath and listen, you know a lot more than what you give yourself credit for. Why? Because he's in there. Come on now. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> you may not be paying attention, but he's there. Okay? I, I can tell you're all enthused, but, you know, I'm trying to get the pressure off me. I've already told my bad, bad story. I'm trying to get it on you. We may not be paying attention, maybe just ignoring it, but, but it's there nonetheless. Hallelujah. Look with me, First uh, John, first epistle of John. Hallelujah. So, you know a lot more than what you sometimes give yourself credit for. You know, and here's the thing. You know, even if you don't know, at the moment, something comes, you know, a bill, um, uh, an unexpected, you know, your car, you know, takes a dive, and there's nothing left. It's Christmas time. We've already exhausted resource or whatever the case might be. You know, it's in those moments, you know, when, when you want to say, what in the world am I going to do? And probably all of us at one point or another has probably done that. But I remember the story about Abraham when he was asked to offer his son as a sacrifice, and they're on their way, and Isaac said, hey, you know, Dad, we got the, we got the fire, we got the, we got the this and the that and the whatever, but man, ain't no sacrifice. Well, the whole time, Abraham is thinking about what it is that God has asked him to do, and in that moment, you know, instead of saying, my God, son, I don't know, what are we going to do? He just said, the Lord will provide. So how, how, what, what's, the, what's the teachable moment or learning from that? You know, when you get yourself in a pickle, you just say, thank God he's got a way out of this. In other words, instead of saying, I don't know what I'm going to do, you can say, God's bigger than any problem I'll ever have. But, but the thing is, is it's, it's a learned kind of response to the things that are going on within our lives. Are you listening to me? And sometimes people never learn it. They just, they look at the circumstance and they go, I'm sunk. Or they say, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm telling you what, you know, maybe you're, you're at the bottom of the barrel, but I'm telling you what, God wants to raise you up. He wants to bring you out. He wants to help you. But it starts with changing the way that we think, recognizing that there is a God within us that redeemed us from the curse so that the blessing of Abraham can come on our lives. Are you listening to me? So it might be that we have to, you know, rethink a few things and recognize, praise God, after all, he is there. Because again, you know a lot more than what you often give yourself credit for. Look at this, uh, these verses here, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. Now John's writing and he says here, but you have an unction. The King James uses the word unction. Uh, New King James says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You say, oh, I don't know all things. Well, you know a whole lot more than you think you know, because he's in there. This anointing that abides in you. The, uh, uh, the uh, English Standard Version says, but you have a bit that, <laughs> bleh, let me start over. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. The marginal reference says, you know everything. Well, you know, if you say, well, I, you know, uh, um, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do here, but I'm telling you this much about it, God's going to make a way. Amen? Amen. You know, we may not know. We may have to take some time and seek God and look a little bit and pray and, you know, find out what the Bible has to say. But I tell you what, praise God, he wants to guide you and he wants to bless you. And like I said, you know a lot more than what you, what you think you do. But here's the thing about it, you guys. A lot of times, you know, what we know is buried underneath anxiety and worry 
and care. And the reality is, is somehow or another that we have to get that off of us before we can actually hear what it is that God's wanting to tell us. You, you understand? For example, you know, when Jesus was talking about the sower in Mark chapter 4, about the sower sows the word. The seed is the word of God. And Satan comes immediately to do what? To steal the seed. Why? Because he knows if the seed finds a lodging place within your heart and mind and life, it's going to produce. Are you with me? So he comes to take it. Well, how does he do that? Well, so much of the time, human reasoning, you know, if you say God loves you and a person has been living in all kinds of pain and all kinds of anger and all kinds of hurt, when you say God loves you, a lot of times their response to that is, is, yeah, right. What's God ever done for me? Well, that response is what steals the truth from their life or their heart. And if they don't get that turned around, if they don't see past that and get past it, then they run the other direction or they walk back out into the darkness. But if a person's in that place of pain and hurt and harm, but is, is genuinely seeking God and somebody says, listen, God has a plan for your life. He loves you. And it has the ability to penetrate past what I just described to you. They're on their way. Are you with me? But again, care, worry, and anxiety. When Jesus talked about this parable, he says Satan comes immediately to take the word. But then he also talked about the cares of this world. He talked about the deceitfulness of riches and the strong desires of all kinds of other things. Choke the word and it, the word, becomes unfruitful. So again, a lot of times when I say to you that you know a lot more than what you give yourself credit for, sometimes, you know, because of care, because of worry, because of anxiety, it ends up getting buried, you know, and, and, and that care, that worry and all of that is so large and looming that you can't get past it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, but there's a way, hallelujah. It could be because, you know, human reasoning, um, controls or dictates your life. You know, you can get into an, thank God for academia. Thank God for, you know, um, um, uh, learning. It's all good. It's, there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. But if it becomes your God, then you can be in a real, you know, bad spot. Because some of the stuff that God does makes no sense at all. He said, I want you to fill those pots full of water. Huh? And what happened? God turned Jesus, did his first miracle, and turned that water into wine. That, my friend, does not make sense, human sense. But it happened. You with me? So you don't want to allow human reasoning or intellect to rob you of what it is that God's promised. Like I said, I'm all for it. But right on the other hand, I'm going to choose him before, you know, over that. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, I'm not saying you take human reasoning and throw it, throw it away. You know, last thing you want to do is go out here on the highway and, and uh, not be concerned about the cars. Okay. That could be a problem. All right. It could be, you know, we're talking about things that keep us from hearing and, and recognizing the things that we know more than we are aware of. Uh, another thing can be just fleshly carnal appetites that have charge of what goes on in our lives. It's buried, you know. It can be a, a, a and I said this before, <laughs> a lot of times we don't want to hear. We say we do, but we don't. Can I get a witness? I'm needing help here right now, you know. We just don't want to be honest with ourselves, and so, you know, we just bury it. But I tell you what, God has a plan for each and every one of us. So what we, what, uh, much of what we know could be uh, indistinct because of what I would refer to as the noise, okay? Just noise. It could be distractions, like I said, human reasoning. Turn back to John's Gospel, chapter 8. Y'all glad you came tonight? I'm going to get this down to uh, uh, some practical application here, but I just want to... Um, us put together a foundation here first. John chapter 8, 
Notice something that Jesus said in verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, listen, I am the what? He's the what? He's the light. He's the light. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in what? Darkness, but shall have the light of life. Woo, glory to God. Everybody say, I got it. Yeah, you've got the light of life. That's why I said, you know, you, you got a lot more going on than what you think. The devil will tell you, well, you're nothing. You don't know this. You don't know that. You, do, you can't, you know, make this. You can't whatever. He's a liar. Huh? I mean, praise God. God's sufficiency within our lives is more than enough. So don't underestimate who you are in him. Hallelujah. You know, the devil beats all kinds of people up with poor self-esteem. You know, worthless, you don't amount to anything, nobody loves you. I mean, all of that. And yet nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, uh, uh, people do love you. And the fact of the matter is, is even if they don't, Jesus does. Are you with me? But yet right on the other hand, they, that, that can be your downfall instead of your rising up. And so we need to make sure that we're listening to the right voice. And these are some of the things we'd call noise. But again, notice what he says here in this verse. He said, I'm the light of the world. Hallelujah. He that follows me, everybody say, I'm a follower. Yeah. He that follows me is not going to walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. It ought to be our confession. Praise God. I've got the light of life on the inside of me. Glory to God. Amen. He'll have the light of life. If you're a child of God, you have it. You're not going to get it. God help me, you know, I need this. No, he's dwelling in you. You got it. I've got it. I've got it. You know, that song. Hallelujah. Something about the Holy Ghost. But see, here's the thing. You know, when we make these statements like this, well, oh gosh, I wasn't expecting this. I don't know what I'm going to do. It'd be better off if we just didn't say anything. You may not know what you're going to do, but mum's the word. You with me? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm worried. I'm scared about what's going to happen. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That's what the Bible says. So we're going to do away with the fear and the scared and all of that, both in our con uh, conversation and in the way we think. Hallelujah. You know, I, I haven't looked it up, so I don't know for sure. Somebody said there's 365 places where it says in the Bible not to fear. Fear not. One for every day. Huh? You know, every day of the year, you, can, you don't have to fear. Now, again, I understand that all of this stuff comes into our lives, but what we need to do is pause for a moment and say, thank God Jesus has an answer for this right here, right now. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Amen. I'm so glad for that. Hallelujah. Takes all the pressure off. Glory to God. So when trouble or concern comes our way, God wants us to look to him. Look to him. Look to the one who is in you for help. See, the Bible says that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Are you with me? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So there's a leadership that God wants to provide for us. And again, it's always going to agree with the Word. It's not going to be some weird deal where, you know, hey, I heard the Holy Ghost tell me, praise God, that I'm going to marry that woman right there. Well, if she's already married, guess what? That ain't the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, that's kind of wild, wild, but, you know, wilder things have happened. You know, that's, that's from hell. Okay, well, anyway, so, so he, he wants us to look inwardly for the counsel that we need. You say, yeah, but how do I know when God's speaking? Well, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. You know, when God's speaking to you, there's no, there's no confusion, there's no push, there's no um, uh, pressure, it's a still small voice that God has on the inside of us 
to give us guidance. If you're being pushed, if you're being pressured, it's probably not God. Are you with me? Well, I need to make a decision. I got to do this. I got to do that. You better hurry. You know, this and that. That's where we make mistakes. And that's where we need to stop and just say, wait a minute. I think we'll back this train up here and look. Because there's help and deliverance in all adversity if we look to the right place. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I've got it. See, you've got it. You say, yeah, but man, I got this going on too, and I've got that going on. That's why I'm talking to you about this tonight, so we can deal with this and that and whatever it is that's going on in your life, because God wants to put you over. He's there to help you. Hallelujah. You know, so, so looking to the right place, looking inwardly, God, what, what, what do I need to know here, you know? And, and just to pause and, and allow the Holy Ghost to be your guide. Now, it doesn't always come immediately, but it'll come if you look to him. Are you with me? You know, it, think of it this way. Um, <clears throat> maybe there's a legal matter, you know, that comes up within your life. And we need Bill to help us out on this deal. How would that be? Okay. So Bill's here, and he's all-knowing. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, somewhat. Let's just go with me on this example. So, so, so if I've got a, a legal matter and I go to Bill and I say, hey, Bill, uh, here's what's going on, this and that and the other. And, um, and he says, well, listen, there's nothing for you to worry about here because on the basis of the law, there's, there's, they have no standing. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, is this thing is absolutely covered. Don't worry about a thing. So in other words, what's happened here? Well, I've, I've got me some counsel, haven't I? Well, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to come to him because he knows the truth. He knows how to, you know, do the deal, fix it, whatever the case might be. But if we don't go, if I, if I go on my own and say, I don't need Bill, I just, you know, I'll just kind of work this deal myself. Well, we could be in trouble. Are you with me? So there are certain things that have to happen, and of course, God wants to help us in all of that. So here's a verse of Scripture. Look with me back to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, I know I'm running you around all over the place, but you know, if I give you the Bible, hopefully that helps. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Now listen to this. Listen to the verse. Uh, many of you know, the, you know this verse. You know it. When I start reading it, you're going, oh yeah, I know that verse. Listen to what's being said to you. What's he saying in verse 4? You are of God, little children. <laughs> Hallelujah. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Huh? You are of God and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. But sometimes looking to the one who is in us is the last thing that we do. Are you with me? So it becomes important that we do this and it'll bless us. The child of God can live with confidence and assurance if we will learn to become more God-conscious, looking to the one that's within us. You know, Jesus made this statement. He said this. He said, come unto me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll make your life more miserable. No, he said, I'll, I'll give you rest. Well, well, how does that practically work itself out? I mean, we know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but that word was given to his disciples. And of course, that same word is available to you and I. So, so how, does it, how does it practically, well, he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. I'm meek of lowly of heart and you'll find rest into your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden's light. I like that. So I got to figure out how to come. Well, we come. Of course, through the word, we come to him through prayer, don't we? Okay. We come through waiting on him to speak to us for guidance as to the direction in which we should go. Are you with me? Now, it doesn't make it, you know, I mean, we may not hit it every time, but let's get better. Huh? We need to learn to become more God conscious when it comes to these things. So, so when, when problems loom large... 
and all of us have experienced that at one time or another. Maybe, maybe the problem is prolonged or it's chronic. It just never seems to go away, you know, or, or, uh, uh, or the problem is something like all you've ever known. You know, there are a lot of people, for example, they, they grew up in dysfunctional homes. They didn't have a dad, maybe their mother. I mean, you know, who knows? And whether you like it or not, that, that leaves an impression on people. And it, it gives shape and it gives form to the way that they think. Sometimes temperaments, personalities, all of those different kinds of things. But, you know, the reality is, is that no matter how hideous or challenging or difficult that picture may be, God is able to redeem that person, recover them, and make them every bit whole. Huh? But if that's all you've ever known, it, is, it, 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 it looms so large in your life. Do you understand where I'm, where I'm coming from? And so, so what that then represents is it takes, it takes some effort you know, in order to get, get that, that, that thing turned around. So if the problems are prolonged, chronic, if it's all you've ever known, it requires some real effort to get the ship turned around. You say, okay, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm that person. What do I do? Well, the first thing you need to do is discover the will of God. And we do that through the Bible. Huh? The Bible is God speaking to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to study the Bible to find out what the Bible has to say. See, the Bible says you're the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. God never makes any junk. So if you're his workmanship in Christ Jesus, that makes you some good stuff. Now, the devil may tell you that that's not true, but again, he's a liar. Huh? You know, and when we, you know, you're a failure, you've never done anything right, blah, 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 blah. That's all from hell. And God wants to change that in the way that we think. So we need to discover that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And not only that, but we've been justified by his blood. And there's all different kinds of things in that context that we need to learn. But discover the will of God. And then stand against doubt and unbelief. You know, <clears throat> when I first got saved, I got turned on to the word. I was so fired up for God, I couldn't stand it. I could, but it was great. But I had a lot of things to unlearn. You know, there were a lot of things I knew religiously, but they weren't helping me at all. And not only that, but just about the time I'd get a hold of something, you know, or maybe learn, you know, that God had a better life for me, the devil says, you know, he got no life for you. You've done this, you've done this, you've done this. Well, I didn't know the scripture says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I would say, you're right, I'm a loser or whatever the case might be. And then I got to go on down the road a ways to only find and discover. Now, wait a minute. That's not what the Bible says. Am I in the right house? So you got to discover the will of God concerning your life, what it is that he wants for you. And then not only that, you got to stand against doubt and unbelief because that's what the devil always, you know, has God really said that he's going to, you know, turn your life around and he's going to, you know, bless you and your parenting or whatever it is. You're, no, he hadn't said that. You know, look, look, look what's going on. I mean, you're a loser. This ain't going good. That's exactly what he does. He takes the natural circumstances that you find yourself to be in and he pits them against you and tries to convince you that that is true instead of what it is that God wants to do in your life. Am I in the right house? So you got to understand that we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And then you have to, you know, I, I remember the word I used, effort. Effort. Everybody say effort. You got to renew your mind to the Word of God. And that's not just something that happens overnight, man. You got to get in the book, let the book get in you. Because that in and of itself, if, we, if you spend your time meditating the Word of God, it'll set you free. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. You know, when I first got saved, I smoked cigarettes. You know, I got delivered from a whole bunch of stuff immediately, but I didn't get, I didn't get delivered from smoking cigarettes. And I mean, I threw more of them out than I ever smoked. And then I was bummed at myself because I just bought that pack of cigarettes, Bill, and now it's out there on the side of the road. Dummy. But you know what happened? I just stayed in the Word, stayed in the Word, stayed in the Word, stayed in the Word. And, and, and to be honest with you, I don't even know 
you know, when it was, I, I just all of a sudden I realized that I hadn't had a cigarette for three weeks. And I figured, you know, there's no use starting now. See, what happens is, is you get to a place where you esteem the Word of God more highly than you do whatever it is that's dominating and controlling your life, and it loses its hold. But if people don't give themselves to the Word of God, you know, and feed on the Word of God, you know, they're, they're interested in this, they got this going on, they got the other, then, then there's nothing that people can do for you. No preacher, I don't care how good he is, how anointed he is, you know, that's not going to matter. So, but I tell you what, praise God, life can be life-changing as we walk with him. Amen? So we have to renew our, our and then t- uh, uh, also, number four, I've got three or four of these, spending time in his presence, waiting, waiting on him. That is the hardest thing to do. Oh, your brain goes a million miles an hour of the 49 million things that you could be doing, should be doing. Why are you still sitting there? Am I in the right house? And sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Just for that, we're going to spend some more time. Huh? Spending time in his presence, just waiting on him. You know, and here's the thing, you guys. Jesus had a lot of decisions to make. He chose 12 men. He um, was commissioned. There were different phases within his ministry and different things that he was doing. And it was not uncommon for this man, 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 spent the whole night praying before he decided on the 12, didn't he? You say, all night? Well, what do you want? Well, I don't want it that bad. Well, then take a nap. But if you want it, baby, you can have it. Are you with me? So, uh, well, again, you know, uh, whosoever will. Are you with me? You know, there are other times when he got done preaching and he'd go to a solitary place. What was he doing? He's getting his marching orders probably for the next day. Or, you know, God, what do you want? You know, where am I going now? So we have to give ourselves permission to do this. Now, I'm not saying you abdicate responsibility that you have, whatever that might be. I'm just saying that it takes effort. My wife and I have some apartments. And, you know, every so often people will, you know, vacate, vacate the apartment. So we, we have to what we call flip them. And um, some of them are not too bad. Pretty good housekeepers, you know, doesn't make our life too difficult. And then there are the others. And you know, you walk in and you look at it and you go, wow, um, this is going to take some effort. We just got done with one. We bought these things and we'd never done anything to this apartment. So it really needed a overhaul. Well, guess what? It was a lot of work. Huh? You know, all of the carpets, we had appliance issues. We had all the floorings and everything that had to be redone. The whole bathroom had to be redone. And, you know, sinks in the kitchen. I mean, it was, it was a big deal, okay? We say, why don't you get somebody else to do that? Well, you can do that. That's not what we chose to do. But my point to this is to say that in order to get where you want to go, in order for you to be able to enjoy peace, that passes all understanding, there has to be whatever it takes in the way of effort to get there. There were times when my wife and I, we'd leave, we're exhausted, we're done, we don't want to go home cook, we're going to go find something, you know, drive through, baby, and go take a shower and hit the shucks. Why? Because it's been a long day. And you know what? Then we're going to get up the next day and we're going to do whatever it is we got to do for that day. You know, W-O-R-K. And when it comes to your spiritual life, the same thing is true. Are you with me? So everybody say this with me. All things are possible to him that believes. Yeah, and is willing to go after it. Amen. Nothing is too difficult with, for him. You know, your, your life can be an absolute wreck, and Jesus can fix that thing a whole lot better than you could ever even imagine. You know? And so as we draw near to him, the Bible says that he will draw near to us. How many of you believe that? And we're way past our, our, our 8 o'clock hour. Hmm. Okay, real quickly, Jesus went to a solitary place. Saul, he got anxious and started 
taking the place of Samuel. He didn't wait for the prophet. Remember that story? You know, he took it upon himself because he didn't wait to hear from heaven. And it cost him in being the king. You with me? So that, that my point to that is, is that when anxiety and haste being pushed or involved, more times than not, it's not God. You know, because he leads us, he doesn't push us. You with me? So if you're feeling pushed, you haven't got where you want to go yet. Huh? It's peaceable, easy to be entreated, without partiality, full of good fruit. Are you with me? And so we can get that distinction. You know, now understand there are times when God, you know, can tell you, hey, hey, make haste. But there's the but the pressure is absent. Does that make sense to you? So if you feel like you're being pushed, then uh, you need to just uh, hold still. So uh, here's my conclusion. You ready for that? Okay. If you're going to be led by the Spirit of God, which I know you want to be, you're going to have to walk with Him, you know? Spend time with Him through the Word and through prayer. Get alone. Wait on God. Maybe some fasting. Ooh, fasting? Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. You're not going to change God. You know, it's like I said before, God's the same before you fast, while you fast, and after you fast. Changing, or <laughs> changing, fasting changes you, okay? So you're just going to take that time, well, I'm just going to skip lunch here and pray. Yeah. And your flesh will go, what? Yeah, 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 this is what we're going to do today. Then about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you just say, shut up. Your flesh, you know, I mean, it's got a voice, and I'm trying to quit. But take some time with him. You know, as believers, the believer, listen, you, you guys, the believer has to learn. You know, whether you, whether you realize or not, when you got saved, you became a lifelong learner. Are you with me? And so the believer has to learn to just learn to pray. And to wait on God. And because, again, the answers are in here. You know, we're going to come launching into this new year. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, but if it goes one way or the other, how's that going to impact you? Oh, my God, if it don't go the right way, I mean, we're going to have real problems here. You know, why? Why? Isn't God big enough if the whole thing goes sideways to take care of you? Are you with me? Now, you know, we, we can believe the best, and we should do that, and so on and so forth. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it really doesn't have to alter God's divine destiny and plan for your life just because of whatever. And that's being kind. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise God. So let's start looking at our futures through the lens of His living Word. Praise God. Well, you know, you just can't this, you can't that. Who said that? With him, you can do everything, anything. Are you with me? All right, let's stand. It's 817, in case you're keeping track. Praise God. You ready to believe tonight? Come on, we're going to look to the Lord. We're going to ask him to help us to listen to him. And then we'll put some of these things into practice, and he'll help us. How many of you believe that? Father, we love you tonight. And as a body of believers, Father, we're so grateful for your word and everything that you've put in place for us, Father God, to, to just simply come to you, to be at peace within our lives, to never have to be anxious or worried and, and, and filled with care. God, I pray tonight that those within the sound of my voice, Father, will learn to look to the one that is in them for their help. And Father God, I thank you for your response to them as they look to you for the answers they need, the wisdom, Father God, that is lacking, resources, health, whatever it is, Father. Maybe this thing's been in their lives for so long that they've just come to, you know, basically either put up with it or just accept that that's the way it is. Father, help them not to cast away their confidence. But again, to look to you anew and afresh and say, God, what about this? What do you say? 
about this matter in my life. And Father, I just thank you for your blessing in their lives, that as they move towards you, that you'll move toward them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight that I do not have to care. You said in your word to cast my care onto you. And so as an act of my will, I do just that. Thank you, Lord, for helping me, for ministering to me, for leading me, and for guiding me in the way you'd have me to go. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you all. Well, I hope this was a blessing to you tonight. Take it home and uh, put it into practice. Hallelujah. Get off of the gerbil wheel. Okay? You say, I can't. That's not true. Okay? You can. You just may not know how, but you can Let's enjoy our lives. What do you say? Huh? Instead of running around, you know, chasing our tail, praise God, let's, let's, let's run into Him and enjoy life. We're going to receive our evening offering.